I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we are Flying with Firefly on the Sunnydale Stacks. Stacks, flying with Firefly, where every other week we immerse ourselves in a lawless verse populated by refugees from Earth that was, and navigate two episodes of Firefly. This week, we're exploring a world closer to home with Babe 2, Pig in the City. But, spoiler alert, my big theory, this is a whole different planet, guys. (laughs) Very possible. For new listeners that haven't stuck around since Buffy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been talking about doing this one for a bit. Yes. Here's why. In season seven of Buffy, Andrew says that Babe 2 Pig in the City was really underrated, Mm -hmm. which at the time I took for a funny, funny joke, but Mike took very seriously. Like it it was a moment where I kind of soul bonded with, (laughs) with him on that. I was quickly corrected that Andrew is in fact correct. Uh, and I should not make light of Babe 2, Pig in the City. Yeah. Um, I'm sure somebody's thrown this at you, that it was Gene Siskel's top movie of the year. Interesting that you should say that. Mm-hmm. I have here as my first note. <gasps> Film critic Gene Siskel <laughs> uh, chose this as his favorite movie over more adult-oriented films like mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, yep. Life is Beautiful, And Shakespeare in Love. I feel like those last two didn't age that well. But Saving Private Ryan, it it is it is a big uh, a big a big claim. I'm not I'm not going to definitely claim that. I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan in a while, but I don't think it's insane that he made that list. Cisco also felt it was better than the first Babe film. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Okay, we're gonna circle back to this quote at the end i read that quote before i watched babe Mm -hmm. 2 so to bring everything back Mm -hmm. i've seen babe 2 i know i made my mother rent that i remembered nothing absolutely nothing in fact i think my brain um switched babe 2 with homeward bound 2 okay um, which, have you seen that one? Uh, I'm sure I did. I, I think I own the original Homeward Bound. Well, not the original original, but like the, the original remake. Got it. Yeah. It is a similar plot, kind of. Mm. I mean, they go to a, they go to San Francisco. Yeah. It, it's animals in a city. Um, it's yeah. not good. No. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that's, I, I w- just assumed that's where this yeah. was going. That's not where this went. Uh, we did not go to San Francisco. <laughs> Oh, the, the Golden Great Pitch was there, so yeah. So I mean, it's, it's as much San Francisco as it is any city. Yeah. When's the last time you saw it? I think. Well, actually, the first and last time I had seen it before uh, rewatching it for the podcast uh, was in 2016 when I was doing my uh, 366 movies in 366 days challenge. Right. It's one I had always been meaning to see because I had heard good things. After I'd heard a lot of bad things when it first came out, like it got this weird reputation as being like, oh, it's this like dark, crappy sequel to Babe. Never watch it. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I should never watch it. Dark? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> I mean, it is a kids movie where uh, one uh, creature says to another, what are you, suicidal? Uh, so, I mean, there's some darker parts. Okay. Yeah. So I had, I had avoided it for the longest time until I started hearing, hearing good things about it. But it was just kind of one of those back of the mind like when am i going to be in the mood for 
whatever the sequel to Babe ends up being. Sure. But when I'm watching 366 movies, it gets read in there. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I've, although I've seen this, really, we, we should view my viewing of this as the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Because well, it definitely felt like it. It's actually like something that um, is an ongoing joke between Chris and I about my memory is so bad yeah. that there's a lot of things that it's like watching it for the first time for oh. me. Or there are things that we'll actually talk about mm-hmm. that Chris will hear from the other room. Me say like, Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> like, we watched it together. <laughs> you not remember. So, but this is one of those movies where I know I've seen it, but it felt like the first time. Okay. Uh, side note. Uh, I was on a trip to Canada recently. Yeah. You're jealous. Uh, and I overheard this young couple talking and it was basically the boyfriend kind of, chiding his his girlfriend like what do you mean you've never seen it? it's who's in it al pacino marlon brando uh the uh, uh and i could tell like oh he's talking about the godfather oh i've never seen that <laughs> oh what do you mean you've never seen the godfather <laughs> uh and he was weird, like like real like not like super aggro about it but like just enough that it was like okay dial it back <laughs> calm down bud. yeah cal- calm down a little bit <laughs> Uh, it's, it's like a three hour mob movie. It's, it's not necessarily going to be everyone's first choice, even though it is, you know, a very well-made film. So then he's like, uh, and it's got, uh, that guy was it, uh, Michael Duvall. And I just, as I'm walking by him, it's Robert Duvall. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I was just like, I'm going to correct you on being a nerd bully by being a nerd bully to you. Nice. Karma instant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do this. Babe 2, made in 1998, is a sequel to the original 1995 film, Babe. I love Babe. I definitely own the DVD. I watch it yeah. often. Okay. It is so fucking adorable. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like Babe. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. I, I thought about rewatching it for this, but it it really is, from what I remember, such a different movie in so mm-hmm. many ways. Like, There's a lot of the same conceits. The singing mice, obviously the talking animals. Sure. Uh, the 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 zooming in and zooming out, the narration. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those constant themes, but it very much feels like, oh, we're telling another story as opposed to like this is the natural continuation of the first film. Sure, definitely. Yeah. yeah. The plots have nothing to do with each other except yeah. for like sheepdog competition, and that goes away very quickly. Yeah. It was like, you remember the first babe, okay? Uh, so we're going to do another movie now. So here's uh, the first babe, uh, another movie. Gotcha. So it's directed by George Miller. Mm-hmm. And you have feelings about that? Uh, I think watching this for the first time in 2016, I was like, holy crap. He has probably been thinking about some of the stuff that's in Mad Max Fury Road for decades. Because <laughs> the sequence at the end, and we'll like, talk, to it, talk about more when we get there, uh, of bouncing around the ballroom, was like, oh, like... Because he is such a kinetic. Can you, for people like me who yeah. are not great with names in Hollywood, yeah. who is George Miller? He is the guy behind the Mad Max franchise. Got it. Uh, he did the first trilogy back in the eighties. Uh, came back for Fury Road as a as an old man. I forget exactly how old he was. I think he's in his seventies. Okay, and this came in between the original trilogy and Fury yeah. Road. Uh, he made two Babe movies and two Happy Feet movies. <laughs> I kind of love him. Yeah. I've never met him, but I've decided I love him. Which, like, if you're just looking at genres, post-apocalyptic action film and talking animal kid-friendly film seem very much opposed. But when you look at, like, what he does in, in each, each each one, especially as he gets further along in his career, 
it's because they both allow him to do very kinetic storytelling. That's mm. a lot about the the physical relationships of not only characters, but objects in motion in relation to each other oh. on the screen and in film, which I feel like makes it a lot more natural. Like, oh, because in, in kids' comedies, especially if it's not as talky of a movie, there is a lot more of the physical stuff, uh, a lot more of the physics-based gags. That kind of thing that are super prominent in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, you look at the the stunts with the guys on the poles in Fury Road, and it's not yeah. that different from the end of this film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. So let's take off with the Sunnydale Stacks and Voyage Into, Babe 2, Pig in the City. Correct myself to start. I keep calling it Babe 2 Pig in the City. I, the internet has told me it's just Babe Pig in the City. It just, but that 2 feels like it should be there. It's, I don't, it, I just, yeah. it, I need it to be in there, yeah. so I'm doing it. Because it's not like a Pirates of the Caribbean where the first one had a subtitle. It's it's a weird thing to like have it just be Babe and then Babe Pig in the City. It's like, is it, I guess that's the second one or maybe it's a prequel. I don't know. I've also just always heard it referred to as Babe 2. Yeah. So, and like, and the full title, everyone always says Babe 2 Pig in the City. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going with it. So following Babe's triumph at the Sheepdog Championship, a parade is thrown in his honor. And this looks like it's like directly after he's being escorted home mm-hmm. from the championship. Yeah, it is. It is one of those things when I, when I first watched it in 2016, I was like, oh yeah, that the first Babe is all about Sheepdog here. <laughs> I had forgotten the plot of Babe for a second. <laughs> I love Babe. Mm -hmm. And like, it just fills me with this like giddy, giggly happiness Mm because it's so heartwarming. And the most, like, so this starts in like Got It Parade. And like, right away, the sky riding starts with Ham ham and turns it into Champ. Champ. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the cutest thing. I absolutely, like, at first when they were like Ham, I'm like, Fuck that Skyrider. What an asshole. She's going to put an exclamation point. Ooh, just red ham. He's being bullied, you guys. Yeah. He's being bullied by the sky. <laughs> by Skyrider. Uh, and like, just, I was having so much fun um, checking out all the signs that people mm-hmm. were holding. Viva la pig. Pigs are best. I think one there says sweet pig. <laughs> Is a sweet pig, yo. Sweet pig, dog. Uh, <laughs> and I do love how it immediately gets you into the feeling of, oh, this is a this is not the regular world of just how many people yeah. are this excited about a pig. Yes, like they're real jazzed about this pig, guys. It, it definitely like is cranking thing, everything up to ten, mm-hmm. um, and I, everyone's happy, and it's making me very happy. Aww. So, babe tries to help the farmer fix his water pump. Yeah. Um, but instead, Babe p- falls in the well, which causes a major injury to the farmer. Yeah, I love the the physics of this gag, the narration of the if only, because it's it's that that old uh, urban legend of the guy who's like hauling something up on a pulley, but then weight gets added to the thing, so he goes up and hits the thing, and then the thing falls off, so he falls down, but then the thing that was holding the thing. Then falls down on him because he lets go. Of Which, the oh my God, he's yeah. dead. Like, I freaked out at this point because I was like, that thing is huge. The farmer is dead. Babe killed the farmer. There are a lot of times where it's like, oh no, someone just died in this movie. <laughs> Definitely There dead. are a lot more fake deaths in this movie than would be expected of Babe 2. 
but instead he's just laid up in bed mm-hmm. um and you see the, the all the old animals in the window just staring in which i it almost feels like they just cut out a shot of babe they just copy and pasted it and it just does remind you, like, oh, yeah, all the animals are buddies. Well, like, yeah, it did fill me with that like mm-hmm. sense of, like, oh, that feeling that I got from watching the first Babe. I was starting mm-hmm. to get excited, like, all of the, the, the things that I love so much. <laughs> At this point, it's, it was getting kind of weird that no one had spoken. Like, yeah. the narration in this... Mm-hmm. was getting kind of intense where it was yeah. like i mean the narration was always part of babe but at mm-hmm. some point shut up and let the animals talk <laughs> that's just a funny phrase <laughs> shut up and let the animals talk <laughs> and the mice return so they're singing an italian opera here mm-hmm. why because this one feels more international okay but like this is like the first of three italian operas they're gonna sing in a row and i don't understand why they uh, don't go to italy i mean they kind of do <laughs> um they go to every town usa <laughs> uh I, yeah i the the songs in this one for the mice feel a little bit more like well we gotta still do the mice and it's like oh, but but what are we gonna have them do eh, whatever yeah it, it didn't feel as much as the first babe when the mice would start singing you're like oh great song choice mm-hmm. now mrs farmer has to take on her husband's chores plus nursing him and just at this moment men from the bank arrive i do love that that big lead up of only uh the the people with this dead of eyes and all that could be from only one place the bank i i thought that was that was some fun narration there yeah so they're here to collect on the mortgage which they don't have so uh instead they're going to go um to the state fair mm-hmm. where they're gonna pay babe a ton of money to show up celebrity meet and greet it feels like i, I mean it's, i i think there's some mention that he's actually going to be hurting cheap there probably but you know i we just kind of assume like and he will win because he is babe well i i thought it might be more of like an exhibition thing where it's not even a competition it's just like see the amazing sheep herding pig you the, it's the one you've heard sure. about yeah he's yeah. a sideshow act yeah mm-hmm. uh so this is seven minutes in and an animal stock for the first time i just really wanted to, i was getting a little annoyed i'm like fucking talk Are you a little worried like in. wait do they not talk in this one it was kind of getting nervous it was just all narration the whole yeah. movie and the universe may be infinite but hollywood is not let's see what else these actors have been in this is across the verse I didn't find any specific Buffy connections on this one, okay. um, but I think it is really interesting to note the actress who played Babe in this film. Actors uh, plural? Well, here's okay. the thing. Uh, Elizabeth Daly, a.k.a. E.G. Daly, that's the one I know her from, uh, was the voice of Babe in Babe 2. Some other things that she's done, uh, not surprisingly, she was in Happy Feet 1 and 2. Sure. Uh, obviously, uh, got to know George Miller. Uh, she was Baby Mumble and multiple voices in that. She was the original voice of Buttercup on the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, mm-hmm. love me some Powerpuff Girls. Um, one thing that I, I'm pretty sure Hey, do you remember did Pee Wee's Big Adventure? They did. She's Dottie. Oh, okay, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Very big role. Uh, now the one I saved for last because I think it's very important. And Rugrats, she was Tommy Pickles. Oh. Especially interesting because Christine Cavanaugh played Chucky Finster and was Babe in the first Babe movie. Wow. 
Inception That's noise. Right. <laughs> That's right. The two stars of Rugrats were the two stars of the Babe movies. Your mind's blown. Uh, also, just for fun, some other characters, because Elizabeth Daly has had a huge career. She's done like a thousand things. Wow. A lot of it's voice credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some interesting, uh, one of these might be voice, but a lot of these are not. Actual character uh, titles she's had in movies include Bambi, Baby Doll, PJ Funny Bunny, and Sex Head. Oh, my. Yep, that last one's a real curveball. <laughs> Uh, and we meet, we see Ferdinand the Duck, which was so excited for me that immediately, if you had asked me before I watched this movie, like, what is the duck's name? We'd be like, I don't fucking know. There's a talking duck, though. The second he came on screen, I was like, Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> just, my brain was just like, yep, that is Ferdinand. I don't remember the dog's parents' name. Mm-hmm. I do remember Ferdinand. Maybe it's because I don't have as much affection for from the first one i find him a little annoying in this one yeah this one definitely yeah he's a little less i feel like sympathetic the first one he's trying to not get eaten yeah totally get it like that is a very clear motivation this one is kind of stalking his best friend yeah he's just kind (laughs) of a a, a needy clingy weirdo he's got this weird obsession like hey you're my lucky pig dude where did that come from you're fine lucky pig dude was that from the I don't remember it at all. Well, it wasn't like the thing he was worried he was going to get eaten, but then it was like, oh, because I'm with you, you're, you're why I didn't get eaten. But it seems like at this point, he's not going to get eaten. No. Like, it yeah. seems like he's out of danger, but he just is obsessed with this pig in a, in a real unhealthy way where there's a third act of this movie that could have happened that was like, you know, fatal attraction. Well, and I feel like he was always such a scaredy cat, and he takes a lot of risks in this movie, like flying to mm-hmm. Crazy's Town. It it just takes on a lot of risk and it just feels kind of out of character. But yeah, we're going to go with stalking. It's going to be the weirdest impulse for him. So at this um, layover airport, Mm -hmm. Babe meets a drug sniffing dog. And while he's teaching Babe about the joy of his um, job, he demonstrates. And when I find the smell, I bark like this. And he alerts the cops to Babe's crate. So they think there's drugs in there. So uh, two things before we get too far past them. For some reason, one of the first images that pops in my mind maybe it was in the trailers, uh, which I think is the reason I didn't see this movie for a long time, is uh, Mrs. Hoggett on the plane doing the life jacket. Yeah. Which, like, it's just this weird little bit that in the movie, it's, just, eh, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. But I, it, it feels like one of the images I remember from the advertising or or clips or something very heavily to the point okay. where I'm just like – Oh yeah, that that's probably part of why I didn't see this movie. That I thought it was like just going to be dumb jokes like that. Where it's like I pulled this for no so reason. There's a lot of random mm-hmm. physical gags mm-hmm. that aren't bad. They're not mm-hmm. in bad taste, but there's a lot of them to the point that at some point you're like, okay. Well, I think a Laurel lot Hardy. of them are are like set up. Like this one, upon rewatching, is like, oh, this is set up for the pants at the end. I never put that together. The idea of like, oh, just get used to like, you pull the thing and it inflates. It feels like a stretch. I don't get it. Stretch. Put uh, ching. Because of the inflation. <laughs> um, I, it do, those don't feel related to me. It honestly feels like we've got an overweight actress. We're going to make a ton of jokes about that. I, which at some point I was starting to get really just kind of pissed off on her behalf. of mm-hmm. like, we get it. She's not slender. Yeah move on and find something else for this lovely actress mm-hmm. to do. And I get she agreed to do it, but if I were her, I'd be fucking pissed. 
Yeah, and that one just yeah, it feels a little like what what are we even say? Are we saying like oh she's dumb or naive? I think I it's just know. like this rube doesn't understand the city life. She's never left town. On airplanes and yeah. their foreign stewardesses, even though it seems like they're going to the someplace that's in the same country. I guess that was the only flight they could get. Is they're like not going weird... to the same planet. I did think they were originally going to Italy because when he gets off mm. the conveyor belt yeah. at baggage claim, there is a bunch of boxes immediately that are marked Italy. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's where they are. Mm. But it's not. They're on Weirdo Planet. That's what it's called officially, Weirdo Planet. Yes. So they arrest Esme, uh, which makes them miss the connecting flight. Mm-hmm. That sniffer dog is a real asshole. I mean, he doesn't know. It's interesting that like when I read the plot summary for yeah. the movie, everyone was like, yeah, the basically painted the drug sniffing dog as an asshole. I'm like, I mean, but it, they don't. But I mean, he's in accident. the same room when the owner and babe are like being questioned. I, see, I kind of like the idea that like the dog doesn't understand that he just knows like when I smell this smell and he doesn't know what the smell is, mm-hmm. I make this noise and I get food. And yeah. he doesn't, I mean, like he's never privy mm-hmm. to what happens to the packages or the people that he's just like barking equals food. I feel like Snoopy is complicit here. <laughs> so this is a weird moment that at this point, it's like, okay, they missed their flight. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so they didn't get the money. Yeah. So we're fucked. We're like 15 mm-hmm. minutes in the movie and like everything is fucked. This is a weirdly dark beginning, which I can understand why people like read the whole movie. It's like, oh, it's just this dark, depressing movie. Because it does start off with like, oh, you know, those lovable characters, they're going to be uh, severely injured. And then... Uh, arrested and uh, have their their cavities searched for drugs and, <laughs> and be stranded in a foreign city. Uh, fun for the kids. They go home. They can't afford the farmer's medical insurance. So he can't get his treatment. He dies and babe kills himself for the shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's a short movie, but uh, <laughs> it works. Uh, yeah. It, thankfully they, they, they have a couple days they need to spend in the city. Yes, there's no return flight for a couple of days. We'd have seen this movie. It's called Terminal. Oh. No, so a pig-nosed janitor uh, yeah. gives them the name of a hotel that will welcome animals. Thanks, pig man. Weird, weird moment. <laughs> it is weird. Well, it's weird to me that it happens again once more. Yeah. And that's it. Like, maybe it's just my... Comedy roll of three. Yes. We need uh, another yeah. one. There needs to be a I'm... pig at the end. And a pig man. And there's not a third pig man, so I'm just, like, waiting the whole time. Where's that pig man going? Okay, so the mice are singing again in this new city, and now they're singing that Samore, mm-hmm. but we are not in Italy. Nope. Uh, the only international songs that the whoever chose these knew were Italian ones. This is a French one, so they got two countries. Two's all you need. Uh, so this is the fictional city of Metropolis. Um, they've got signs and what looks like Japanese mm-hmm. rivers with gondolas like Venice. There's the Statue of Liberty, the Sydney Opera House, the Eiffel Tower, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the Hollywood sign. Yeah. So this is, I mean, like the filmmakers International just like, building roundup. <laughs> the filmmaker, filmmaker being like, it's not a real city, guys. Yeah. You should get over well, it. Well, I, I love the, the fantastical nature of it that it's, well, you have to have a city. What do you want to be based on a city or like some mm-hmm. version of a city? It's like, it's every city. Fuck yeah. It. No, and the second she looks at the skyline and you see that, you're like, yeah. check it. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Fantastical. Mm-hmm. Not a real place. So she goes to the hotel. Uh, the one at the door tells her no animals. It's illegal but directs her to a side door where she lets her in. 
Makes a big deal out of it. Uh, the floors are divided by animals. We've got Racist. dogs. <laughs> yes, segregated much. No. Uh, the cats are all in one room singing in a chorus. Because <laughs> that's not a creepy visual for the kids. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I feel like a mouse dreamed that and told George Miller. It's just interesting. That, like, we never get an explanation. Why? Well, I kind of I like that, though, where it's... You you feel like oh this at points it's it's making almost Animal Farm like commentaries on uh, society and social divisions and systems of governance, but then also the cats are in a choir because why not? Sure. And then we've got this capuchin monkey, uh, and then when Esme leaves to go make a call to the farmer, the monkey steals the suitcase. Asshole. Bay, being the book good pig he is, chases the monkey to another room where a chimp family opens the door um, and voiced by Ray Liotta. Stephen Wright. Who's that? Uh, he's the comedian who's famous for having kind of a monotone voice. Oh, okay. So he was he was in uh, Reservoir Dogs. He was the radio guy there. Basically, whenever you need a comedian who talks really slow and even and something, he's, gotcha. he's done some voice. I think he okay. was... In the emoji movie as the mm-hmm. meh emoji. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen Reservoir Dogs, but I have seen that piece of shit. Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to need to lay down for a sec, guys. <laughs> uh, and then there's an orangutan who's like the leader mm-hmm. of the ape family room. Yeah. Who looks like super intimidating in these early scenes with just yeah. the, the three-piece tuxedo and orangutan in a, in a full three-piece is real creepy for some reason and he's just i mean he's bigger than they are in the back of my mind i know that he can like rip your arms off with yeah. like no effort so i'm like uh, this guy yeah ringtangs are crazy strong this this scare me speaking of intimidating scary mm-hmm. figures to walk in uncle fugly <laughs> played by mickey rooney uh which i find sweet because there this is a movie that as much as it's out of time is also very old-fashioned and of kind of an an earlier era of film in a lot of ways with how how it tells the story much more visually and almost mm-hmm. like in a cartoonish way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's a sweet bit of casting. Although I do have to say he also looks fucking terrifying here. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So how did you watch this movie on a TV? No, <laughs> like on a streaming service. Do you have the DVD? Uh, I actually own the VHS, ladies. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so I actually rented it on YouTube, okay. which I've never done before. Oh, how did that work out? Well, so we're going to find out because I have a theory that some th- scenes were cut out because I'm very confused over some stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, that's interesting. So I'm glad that you didn't watch it on YouTube so oh. I can confirm of just maybe that's the movie. Okay. So from my understanding... We never really get an explanation for who Uncle Fugly is. I mean, it's it's a lot of implied stuff that they don't state outright. So he walks in clearly having shoved a bunch of like powdered donuts or some mm-hmm. shit in his face, looking awful. Yeah. And these are obviously his circus animals. Mm-hmm. So we never get an explanation for his background yeah. or his health or him. Okay. Just making sure that I didn't miss anything because really felt like there was, I needed more. 
Yeah, it is a little weird that they don't set up a relationship between him and the hotel manager because they're related. Uh, yeah. I, I, I do feel like, and I, I kind of understand they're trying to keep the focus like, you're really not seeing too much that isn't with Babe or Mrs. Hoggett. So you're not seeing a lot of scenes of just like the other animals talking uh, necessarily. Or if you do, it's like at the tail end of an interaction with one of the main characters. But I do feel like they should have found some way to have an interaction between her and him before he is taken away, presumably dead. Well, not only that, an interaction between him and the orangutan, because Mm. they don't really have any interaction until he is taken away. And then we get the orangutan's reaction to that. Mm. I I would have been nice to know that they had this relationship before we never see Uncle Fugly again. It it almost does seem like that this was a sequel to another movie about these these monkeys hanging out with this guy. Yeah. And I also I, I got the impression when I first watched it that I don't think it's true that it's almost like, oh, the monkeys are are manipulating him into doing this, which isn't I don't think really the case, but he's kind of like doddering in a degree well, that they're supporting this, him. He's got like clearly he looks terrible. He's obviously got health issues, but he's still choosing to do this circus and you're, and he kidnaps babe to do this circus. Great. So he's just an asshole that wants money. No, he's performing for children in a hospital. Who is this dude and what is happening? Yeah, I do have some 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 weird notes about oh poor Mickey. Wait, no, he's an asshole. Wait, maybe he isn't. Uh, so I needed the yeah. the circus stuff. I mean, I'll just get right to it. I don't like the circus stuff. Mm. I think it would have been fine, and it it works at the end, except that we need actually more of it. The like one scene that we get of it feels so strange and isolated that like mm-hmm. I need something leading up to the final circus act. Yeah, as much as, as it's kind of lame to get weird backstory dialogue of, and my uncle used to be in the circus. Like, I I would have been fine with a line or two about that. Yeah. And, like, I get the impression that what it is is he had a lot of animals in the circus. He maybe used to do it in a bigger way at some point. And that's how this whole animal hotel got started because his love of it transferred over to his daughter. Maybe he even used to run the hotel, but he's kind of getting older, maybe mentally not, not as much there or definitely not physically as capable as he once was. But he just has this like love of animals that may not even be healthy where he's like trying to steal animals to have for himself. But again, that's a lot of stuff that I've kind of built up from context clues that I feel should, I agree, should have been fleshed out a lot more. So we finally see inside the cat room, the little mice go in there. And this is a great terrifying Mm -hmm. image from the mice point of view of just this big room full of cats lit very creepily. And they're singing three blind mice. And it's funny because they go in there like, Oh, they, they, this, this lovely singing, we've got to see what it is. Oh shit. (laughs) So Esme goes looking for babe on the streets of Metropolis. Aww. uh, Shouting, shouting pig really loudly. In public, probably not a great... Mm-hmm. Especially next to police officers and hefty bikers. <laughs> uh, she fends off a mugger mm-hmm. and throws him into some cops, which causes a huge pileup because mm-hmm. we got a million people, pedestrians and bikers and just... Another, you know, thing about the the physics of everything and it hits the one thing, hits the window wash or not the, the poster 
pasters mm-hmm. uh, and then they fall and they tear part of the posters. So there's this old poster showing through that is incongruous and then a giant thing of paste falls and lands on her. Oh God, the bucket of glue. When I realized oh, that was glue and yeah. not water, you're like, Oh, gross. And yeah. she still gets her purse stolen. Yeah. And she's arrested. Oh, it's a rough oh, day. For, and I like this better that it's she's the butt of the joke because mm-hmm. she's a country mouse in the big yeah. city as opposed to, hey, because she's fat. Yeah. Like th- I, this stuff worked well for me. Now we've got the circus performance at the hospital. This is where I thought oh, I must have missed a scene. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fugly is a clown. And even the narration here, it says mm-hmm. Babe was willing to endure this ridicule if it would help him put things right back on the farm. Yeah. When did we, we were never told that we were never told, like we find out later that he's told, oh, you're going to get a reward or you're going to get paid for this performance. Oh, see, I had read it differently. I I had thought that it was him just assuming this must be what he was supposed to do, having never been actually told he was going to get a reward. Oh, see, I, I think he actually says like, you told me that I would get a reward. I feel like we needed to see, mm. like we needed to see some practices or that there was more than like more than one performance. And he keeps saying at every performance, mm. where's my money? Yeah. And then where's my money, bitch? Is, yeah. that's what I wanted to see from babe. <laughs> uh, so babe doesn't stay, stay where he's told. He accidentally trips fugly. We get more physical comedy. The whole set catches fire and falls down and it's madness a children's hospital catches fire yeah i got very stressed out about this again this movie could have ended real dark if it was just end (laughs) what happened to those kids all the cancer children died they died with that cute little pig from the first movie remember him (laughs) he died too they all burned to death So back at the hotel, the chimps admit that there was never going to be a reward for doing the circus. Again, just one performance. Yeah. I just feel like we needed more, like, Babe getting this promise and then yeah. more and more of him pestering and pestering them. I think another big trailer line, I'm just a pig on a mission. <laughs> uh, so th- this is actually a great moment. The mice are singing, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Aww. With Babe looking forlornly out the window. I'm like, yes. Yeah. And you get to see that beautiful cityscape again. Yeah. Perfectly. Like from the first movie. Yeah. And I, I do think that is one thing that obviously George Miller, very celebrated director, uh, has some really beautiful visuals, even in, in scenes where, you know, it, it could just be kind of fine. There's just lovely shots. One that, that springs to mind is just how colorful and interesting it is when they're at the airport just looking for hotels and the directory and the way that's yeah. framed is really beautiful. When that could just as easily be like her just going to one phone. Yeah, you can see that even though it's like a sequel to a kids movie, he mm-hmm. really put a lot of care yeah. and thought into this. The next morning, Fugly is taken out on a stretcher. Oh, poor Mickey. Which at this point, like, was this from the performance? Mm. How did he make it back to the hotel if he's in this bad a shape? And according to Wikipedia, yeah. he's in a food coma and has diabetes. What? Okay, that was not established. <laughs> that was not established at all. What is this? Why is he being taken out? Again, it's one of those things that just a line of dialogue could have solved it. Like, oh, he must have been so distraught over the performance that it just took its toll on his heart or something. And this, I mean, and the orangutan is taking it very hard. And again, Wikipedia told me because the orangutan was basically his nurse. Mm -hmm. He was trained to like take care of uncle Fugly. And now he feels like a failure. 
okay, what I did? How did Wikipedia get that? Because I didn't get that. This is See, where I, I I interpret it more di- a little differently. I should say that he was just uh, had been in this position for such a long time that it's almost like somebody who had been become accustomed to being like a servant of the king or something Sure. where it's even, even if, you know, well now you can do whatever you want or or like, you know, somebody who's been freed from some kind of bondage, but it's just like, but I was so accustomed to this thing. I was institutionalized in a way of being this guy's caretaker. But then we need to see more scenes of him taking care of Fugly. Mm -hmm. Again, thought I just missed some scenes, but apparently YouTube showed me the whole movie. Yeah. There, there are some weird holes like that where it's like, I think I know what they're going for, but we didn't see the setup to that. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ferdinand is writing in a pelican's beak. <laughs> <laughs> that That's absolutely true, but it's an insane <laughs> statement to just make. <laughs> it, and it just kind of seems like size-wise it shouldn't work out. Uh, that's what happens. He's a small duck. Sure. He lands at a shooting, wa- shooting range. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. It's it's such a comical shooting ranch. It's like twelve people just huddled together, like for a family photo, in all sorts of different garb and and that age range, not and, regulation, yeah. and just like <laughs> different guns at the same target. What kind of shooting range is that? A fun one. I'm gonna go. <laughs> so now at the hotel, there's no food. The animals are getting hungry. Aww. So the chimps go looking for food, and Babe follows. One of my favorite lines is here of. When Babe asks to help them out, he's like, what can you do? You don't even have hands. <laughs> I love that line. It's so true. Yeah, you don't have hands. In terms of, like, the big picture mm-hmm. of this movie, like, Babe's ultimate goal mm-hmm. is to save the farm. He yeah. feels really guilty for what happened to the farmer. His goal is to save the farm. Yeah. Esme's goal, protect the pig. Mm-hmm. She promised the farmer to do that. Also, save the farm. My trouble here is that often that goal is forgotten or they're not working. Esme does. Esme is always working towards that goal. But Babe, it's like if something happens to fall in his lap that might work towards that, great. Mm -hmm. But it it just feels like there's no through line. It feels like there's just things Mm -hmm. that happen to Babe. I feel like there's there's something they say earlier that I had taken to mean that that was it kind of explains a lot of his actions to me but again it's something that i feel like if this is what they're going for they definitely should have hammered it home at least in another bit of narration or something babe says where he talks about not uh babe not knowing what he was there to do but he was looking for you know sheep to herd that the entire time he doesn't know what he's supposed to do because he's so used to like, oh, I figured out what my life is on the farm. I'm going to be the sheep herding dog and this is my place in life. And I'm doing this to 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 be a good person and do the right thing, or a good pig, pigson. But now that he's off there, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do, but he's just trying to do what he thinks is good or right or that might help other people because that's what he's supposed to. Yeah. And that will somehow get him home and, and help save the farm. But I feel like, again... It's, it's it's something I interpreted from some of the earlier text that I feel like should have been expounded upon if that was really the thing that he was just like, yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do to help. I'm just It just kind of feels like his motivation, even like Esme was very clear about like, don't leave this room. And I understand he left the room to go get her mm-hmm. suitcase, which yeah. is great. We forget about the suitcase. Like he doesn't 
Yeah. Like, it's not like, do this circus and we'll give you her suitcase back. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. He seems to forget about leaving the hotel very quickly. He never is concerned about, like, where is Esme? I should go Mm -hmm. help find the farmer's wife. It just kind of feels like, really focused on this bag. Now I don't care. I'm really focused on this. Now I don't care. Like, it just, I would have liked more of a through line. Well, there's, I I feel like, he definitely like always tries to be kind and do the right thing, but it does feel like, yeah, they should address more how he thinks this might help him in, in his overall goal to help save the farm and his, his, the boss's wife. And just a couple more moments of him doing that, I think would help clarify it a little bit more of until the boss's wife gets back, I got to do this. So just, I think just little tweaks would, would help clarify that a lot yeah, and make it a lot less like, so he just, he just doesn't care. Yeah. He just yeah. forgot. So he thinks he's helping the chimps get food that he's, mm-hmm. they tell him to herd these sheep, which he's very excited yeah. for. He knows how to do that, except they're not sheep. They're guard dogs. Savage dogs. Beware. If you have feelings about people's classifications of bully breeds, like this bothered me. <laughs> First off, because they say, uh, the narrator calls it a um, Doberman and a pit bull. Let's be very clear. This is a Rottweiler and a Bull Terrier. Okay. <laughs> I'm, and sure. they, they refer to the Pit Bull a mm-hmm. lot because the Bull Terrier yeah. sticks around. That is very clearly clearly a Bull Terrier. <laughs> yeah, that that is a little weird because especially like that was a real dog. You'd think the owner of the dog would have mentioned that. It's upset. like they had it in the script and then like... The animal casting was like, well, we've got this very talented bull terrier. And they're like, whatever, put it in. But no one adjusted yeah. the script. Yeah, it was just like, did they record the narration first? So Babe attempts to make friends using the classic words, ba-ram you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. Seems to just piss them off. Yeah. <laughs> they And again, really well shot. They are legitimately very scary when they first come at him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to their credit. They're doing their jobs. They're yeah. supposed to keep thieves out. Mm-hmm. And those chimps definitely broke in there to steal shit. Yeah. So they chase him to a junkyard and cause the collapse of a garbage tower. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rottweiler is injured, but the Bull Terrier persists. I mean, and this is a long sequence. They go round yeah. and round they, and round and round. They trash this whole thing. There's a the appearance of the, the neighbor from Bewitched who uh, is, is just, What's going on over there at that hotel? <laughs> And we've been warned before, like, the neighbors will see you. So mm-hmm. you kind of get the idea that her presence is a bad one. Yeah. This is actually a touching moment where Babe just stops and goes, why? Okay, so this this whole sequence is what makes me really love this movie. The The fact that it gets so dark where it talks about Babe facing his annihilation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the really effectively, like, tense and a little bit creepy and definitely emotional flashes to like the rest of his life as this is happening into him narrowly escaping death and then when he saves that bull terrier both times i've watched it i've cried i can see why i did not get to that point but it did like really stop me like what the fuck i think i I mean because there's no part of me that didn't think that this poor dog that is Mm -hmm. drowning yeah it's a terrible image. There's no part of me that thought the movie was going to let him die. Yeah. But the way that everyone other than Babe was just walking away. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, guys? I feel like, I mean, just even after Babe saves the dog, it feels mm-hmm. like everyone else can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Well, it's just really powerful because it's, it's, 
And I think part of it is is that it feels so isolated, especially in film, of possibly the greatest moment of triumph and definitely like the the strongest action of an individual character isn't like, I beat up the bad guy. It's just like just a pure act of kindness. Yes. And I mean the almost the exact opposite of there. I saved my enemy's life. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. That is not something that like you ever see. What a mm-hmm. pure moment. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, well, I didn't let, you know, Count stabs a lot fall to his death. It's like, th- I think what's so beautiful about it is like, it's not even a question for the character of Babe. Mm-hmm. He just naturally is like, I've got to go help this dying animal, even though this is this th- thing that was mercilessly trying to kill me seconds and ago. And may do it again once yeah. I save him. Yeah. And it's not even like, uh, now do this and promise not to kill. It's like, I know I have to help him. And then yeah. he's like, somebody help us. And it's like, he's immediately you know, just gotten on board with, with helping this animal to the extent that like he's on his team, even in, in that, in that kind of sense, it's just, there's something mm-hmm. really beautiful about it that I think if for no other reason, the pure positivity and the, the uniqueness of that, that moment is, is mm-hmm. what really makes this movie shine to me. Now get out your notebooks and pencils. It's time to learn with Simon's study guide. <laughs> Everyone knows and loves Babe, the talking pig who saved the farm. But pigs are famously intelligent pets. And while they don't speak English that we know of, they have been known to be heroes in real life. So here are three real-life examples of acts of pork heroism. In 2014, a pig named Lucky woke his family at 4 a.m., he was screaming and running from the door to the bed and back and forth. Well, this pig just sounds like an asshole. And when his owners uh, wouldn't give him any attention, they were sleeping, he even body-checked the dad. This guy's a real jerk. When the owner got up to see what was the matter, he found that the house was on fire and his bedroom was uh... already filling with smoke. The batteries never run out on a pig fire alarm. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> In 1999, a pig named Sammy shared a shed with a calf friend, Spot. They were inseparable. When their shed caught fire, there's a theme. (laughs) When their shed caught fire, Sammy punched a hole in the wall of the shed (laughs) with her butt (laughs) and led Spot to a nearby meadow. We know this because when firefighters arrived, Sammy led the men to her friend, when they went back on the shed to see how they got out, they found uh, the hole in the shed and then found bits of the shed all over Sammy's butt. <laughs> and in 1998, Lulu, the pig's owner, Joanne, had a heart attack. While the family dog just uselessly barked, Lulu squeezed herself out the doggy door, ran into the middle of the street, and lay down in traffic. Huh. When a driver stopped, Lulu led him back to her owner. Doctor said had 15 more minutes passed, Joanne would have died. What? That dog's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say with those first two, maybe the real uh, thing we learned in Simon's Study Guide is that pigs make excellent arsonists. <laughs> Ooh. So other dogs have been watching this whole thing with the bull terrier drowning uh, and chasing Babe. Now a poodle approaches Babe. And what the fuck? <laughs> Babe is the new messiah. And uh, no, 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 apparently no. this poodle's real in the fucking the messiah. I mean, 
She's apparently been like sold into prostitution or something. What happened to her? She says, those that have had their way with me with their empty promises. <laughs> what? Well, I, I I assume with the, the story, I mean, I think they're having fun with that. It, it, it sounds like something more to it is like, oh, they had a fancy uh, an owner who liked to like, dollar up and you know do sure. the fancy poodle and i'll love grooming. you forever and ever but mm, yeah. you got but then got a puppy and got rid of her sure speaking of puppies one says my human tied me in a bag and threw me in the water <laughs> whoa man you said this movie wasn't dark <laughs> holy shit and oh my god the little baby kitten who's just like i'm, I'm cool or hungry going whoa my god it killed me i'm still hungry uh, so Babe wants to ration what the chimp stole, and the bull terrier is now his enforcer. Says, mm-hmm. "Do it." Yeah, thank the pig. This part, like, I get it's kind of it's kind of sweet in a way that like all the animals are united in this, but it's also kind of creepy. Of like, kiss the ring, kiss yeah. the Don's ring. Yeah, no, I thank don't like pig. this part. Yeah, it feels like there there should have been a way to make it less creepy, but I I like that they return to the thanking the pig thing sure. later. I just kind of um, feel like. I, I like the bull terry being like standing up to the chimps and being like, you're going to ration that fucking yeah. food. But I feel like the thanking the pig should have just been natural that they're yeah. just like, they don't need mm-hmm. prompting to do it. Yeah. Every time. Or like it's only, he, he just enforces it when there's somebody who's like trying to be a jerk and not the chimp, the chimp yeah. at the end. Yeah. Fine. Just that one. Yeah. And this is definitely a part where I could see all sorts of analysis of this, movie is like commentary on socialism and capitalism and yeah there, there's yeah. a thousand ways you could go with it and i i haven't spent the time or the the research hours uh in, in any sense to say anything super meaningful about it but i think it does have a lot more meaty stuff there than most kids movies would tend to which is like just follow your heart and believe in yourself sure yeah Babe has another edict after rationing, says all dogs and cats must get along. Mm-hmm. And then the chimp goes into labor. Oh, little monkey babies. I did not know she was pregnant. <laughs> she didn't know she was pregnant. <laughs> okay, so it's not just me. Fair. And she's little I think twins. she was actually the first one on you didn't uh you didn't know you were pregnant. Oh, the, yeah. that's a, a chimp from yeah. Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> so she has these twin babies. So it, there's not a lot of information mm-hmm. about behind the scenes on this yeah. movie. And I'm really interested to know like what portions were real animals and what were puppets. Yeah. I feel like the baby chimps have to be puppets. They have, but then I have like questions about this poor real life chimp mom, mm-hmm. how you get her to treat these fake babies as babies. And did she mm. really think they were her babies? Did she get it? Atta- like I have this whole story in my head of her getting attached to these little fake babies. I mean, that, that may have happened, but I, I don't, I don't think you, in my you mind, this to... is tragic. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I just have this, I like the, the internet will not help me solve oh. the question of what happened to this poor chip. I think it's just as likely that she was having none of these fake babies. And it was like the hardest thing in the entire movie to film. Fair. Yeah. They just covered them with like a little bit of peanut butter that you can't see. And she was really all about those babies. (laughs) Some kind of clear, like crystal peanut butter. I do want to take this moment to, to say uh, kudos on the filmmakers. Uh, This must've been so hard to film. Yeah. Which is why I'm surprised. There's like no, no production uh, information in there. 
They're probably like, oh, we're, it's, it, we're too tired to make behind-the-scenes footage. It, it just seems crazy. All the animals sing to the babies. Uh, this is the song from the first movie. Yeah. And it just, yeah. Great. Well, Ferdinand recognizes it as he's still sleeping on a gargoyle from earlier. I do love, however, this goldfish singing blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh out he's, loud. He's the weird owl of the group. I kind of love that goldfish. Yeah. If you're doing like super like analysis of the film as a commentary on political systems, I think it says a whole bunch when Thelonious, the monkey, feeds the fish and he thinks uh Thelonious like what's that saying that's saying something it's I don't know what it is there's a lot of metaphors going on that went over my head yeah. and I'm like there is there's a dissertation to write here oh I'm sure people have so animal control breaks in to collect the animals and start caging them up yeah uh, there's some some dark stuff like the poodle like performs for them in a way that feels like she's whoring herself out especially after a comment about like yeah. those that have made promises to me uh ray liotta defending his babies <laughs> it's not ray liotta <laughs> it like ray liotta. so uh when they catch the orangutan the goldfish bulb breaks oh poor little fishy i audibly gasped so loud <laughs> i was so distraught over this yeah. like <gasps> no not the goldfish <laughs> like literally was like babe go get him <laughs> like yelling at my computer uh so babe picks him up in his mouth spits him in the river i totally thought it was gonna be the toilet <laughs> because yeah. there's like i'm there like looking at my watch like mm-hmm. you gotta go you gotta yeah. he's, he's he's suffocating mm-hmm. babe do something and i'm thinking the toilet is the closest body of water but instead he spits him in the river yeah. and Thank then a babe. monkey comes in the window holding a gun <laughs> where did the monkey get the gun where does the gun go why does he have a gun you're just one of those you know liberal nut jobs who thinks that every monkey shouldn't have a gun you know it's the big city he's got to defend himself this is another moment where it's like i missed a scene <laughs> The scene where the monkey calmly goes to a, a, a gun or, store? No, or like if one of the animal control guys has a gun and points mm. it at the monkey and the monkey takes the gun. Like, that's why he has a gun. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that happened. I don't remember seeing it. I wonder if there are deleted scenes on the DVD. I was going to ask mm-hmm. about the VHS tape, but they don't do deleted scenes on the VHS. So this sequence, definitely I feel like best sequence of the movie was saving the bull terrier from drowning just hands down runner up the two dogs volunteered like they were hiding Mm -hmm. but their little disabled friend got caught Uh. so they volunteered to go into the truck to be with their disabled friend but then animal control doesn't want the disabled dog which by the way fuck off but it's too late and the other dogs can't get out and they're still not with their friend. They just want to be with their friend, Mike. Poor this dogs. got me. I This was upsetting. Aww. So Babe escapes with the help of the monkey. Fleelick, the disabled dog, no. holds on to the truck. Way too long. Well, oh, ah, this is very stressful. Yeah. He, like, you're just like, you're, and there's like another truck coming. He's going to get run over. And so he gets flung off the road. Yeah. And again, he's fucking dead. Yeah. They show him in dog heaven. <laughs> like... <laughs> He's in dog heaven. Yeah, you see his little like chair on the side. And he's just like happily jumping around, chasing at butterflies on a hill. Uh, and then and then it's like flea lick, flea lick. You're in the distance, and then he like wakes up 
And oh, I guess he just had a near-death experience. And I mean, even the shot of like... Of, the spinning like, the wheel? The spinning oh. wheel. And then when it stops, you get that he's dead. Yeah. Fuck. And then like, you kind of feel bad. Like, well, I guess you should have let him die because heaven was great. Like, and I mean, that's weird. And then like Ferdinand at this moment is like, eh, nothing you do matters. Why try? And you're like, what the fuck This is this a dark movie, guys. <laughs> well, just, you know what? And I'll think about it. It's, it's a little bit of an ableist view of heaven. Maybe he just doesn't. Sure. I mean, I don't know. He's never expressed that he feels the need to have use of all four legs to feel whole. So I'm just saying. Sure. So Esme's case is thrown out by a pig-faced judge. Our second pig-faced person. Pig man too. Richard of pig man. Really wish we had a third one. There's a race of pig people in this town. They live in the tunnels. <laughs> I do like the glue hat and dress. The visual of just like this like stuck together oh, dress and like the I, little glue icicles it's, oh the glue icicle it's great i yeah. just want to get not <laughs> just i want to get her out of it <laughs> oh what would james cromwell think i like a lady no i i just want to help get her new clothes <laughs> like just yeah. she looks so uh like it just so makes you like hold yourself in this stiff way to look at her like oh. uh i i want for you to be able to move i want that for you she returns to the hotel to find babe gone and she and the landlady confront the neighbor, but we mm-hmm. don't really, I mean, to no purpose, right? To find out where they put, where the animals went. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I kind of. You want to see her get the shit beat out of? Yes. <laughs> I just kind of like, you just went, like, they went over there all aggressively. Mm-hmm. And then like, they just got the information. I'm like, but what? I mean, they get their revenge in the. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's it. They wanted to save the revenge for later. Otherwise, it would seem like they're beating up on her too much. Yeah. To like get revenge twice. So Babe follows the scent of his friends to a medical facility. Mm-hmm. So they are not just going to the pound. They yeah. are actually going to be tested on. Blech. Yeah. Babe breaks them out and tells them about a farm where they'll all be safe. Which maybe Babe's going to kill them all. Yeah. I don't know. I love how directly we're taking every possible turn <laughs> in this film. Uh, I gotta say, I love uh, this part where they're they're going around. There's lots of good effects, like them walking on the pipe. There's the elevator bit, which is a great riff on the classic, because you know it's you know, the typical elevator bit is whole bunch of stuff happening, and then we go into the elevator, and it's really calm. The elevator mm-hmm. done in Blues Brothers, done a thousand times since, but this one where it's just a uh, guy, guy calls for the elevator, somebody. Gets his attention. See an entire elevator full of animals. And then he keeps almost looking back. Almost looking back. <laughs> until finally the elevator closes and he never saw the elevator full of animals. Just a lot of sight gags in this mm-hmm. um, sequence. I mean, so Esme's clothes are destroyed. So she has to put on... Again, there's a joke about her being fat. That she won't fit into the skinny lady's clothes. So yeah. she, the only thing she fits into is Uncle Fugly's circus outfit. Yeah. Although, I mean, I think they... In the casting of the other uh, woman, the hotel manager, do a little bit that you can also say it's not necessarily just that she's fat, but like it's a woman that's like clearly like two and a half feet tall. Yeah, no, she's like she's insanely tall and insanely skinny. It's not just like an average sized person. It's like these two people like were very differently sized. They're not going to have any clothes that would. And it's clearly like rather than it just be like a joke for joke's sake mm-hmm. this ends up being integral to everything yes. that happens yeah. uh moving forward uh so the animal as may end up in the kitchen at the same time mm-hmm. and this is where he gets this huge chaos in the ballroom chaos scene. revisited 
The staff is chasing animals. Esme is trying to save them. She ties herself to this like chandelier rope thing. She's bouncing back and forth. Because of these super elastic suspenders. Her pants blow up into a balloon. Uh, yeah, because it's the do not pull. It was it was foreshadowed earlier. I this again, like if if there was some like poster saying that like this was an act he was famous for, like mm-hmm. so why the hell his... the bubble butt? Sure, like it just it's it's not like the inflatable pants is a very common circus act. There's yeah, just a lot of like it's it's hard to talk about because it's just a lot of like interesting visual stuff of the people bouncing and trying to chase. Just the the story of it is. She's trying to get the animals. The other people are taking the animals, including a chef. Like that's that's yeah. the entire story of this whole sequence. But it's about five minutes of just really interesting wire work. There's a cool moment with the uh, orangutan finally like doing something after he was just kind of hanging out by some old rich lady who seems like she'd already dropped her monocle. <laughs> uh, and he, again, foreshadowed earlier with the uh, weight of the pig on the machine in the well he is like, oh, I should help. So he jumps on Esme to add the extra weight so she can go down low enough oh, to grab. Oh, yeah. nice. I didn't connect the two, but yeah, mm-hmm. that I totally see now. Yeah, just like little where it's like unnecessarily direct connections, but just like to get you thinking in your mind about the physics mm-hmm. of it and earlier this, on. What's yeah. nice is that this is the total payoff of that circus scene. Mm-hmm. So I I appreciate yeah. the circus scene for this that this this very visual spectacle ending mm-hmm. i so i'm not saying we should cut the circus scene yeah. but actually that we should have more i agree it's something b- a little bit more to set it up earlier on which i feel like even though the movie does have some pretty great pacing i feel like they they could add a little more and it wouldn't lose too much sure yeah uh so we get this big balloon drop which is a great moment, just mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. I love there's one dude on the ladder that forgets he's supposed to be catching animals, and he's just having fun batting at those balloons. <laughs> <laughs> he's just having a good old time. And the baby chimp falls from the ceiling. Oh, poor baby intense. chimp. That was intense. And then he gets his whole kind of, he, he's he's grown up in a way when he says, thank the pig. Yeah. Oh, and I do want to mention, he is, I think, one of the the saddest moments in the film where they're breaking out. And he's like, but I'm not dressed. And it's just so sad that he's like this orangutan who feels the need to be in like basically formal dinner attire or else he can't go out in the world. He's, he's kind of a sad character. So now the animals have been rescued. Uh, the hotel becomes a dance club, which is yeah. the perfect mm-hmm. revenge for neighbor lady that she has to be kept up all night with this noise. She hates those raves. Uh, so the reason this happened is that the landlady sold the hotel to help pay off the farm, and she and all the animals moved in with the farmer and his mm-hmm. wife. They're uh, now in a polyamorous pod. That's my headcanon. Gross. <laughs> Whoa, that's a little judgy, Kristen. I mean, old people. Gross. <laughs> not the fact that they're being... Whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's really better, but okay. <laughs> So on the farm, Felix still likes chasing trucks. <laughs> Which he shouldn't because he nearly died. He was in dog heaven. He's going to. He's really just trying to get back to dog heaven. <laughs> he's suicidal. <laughs> you know, that dog said, what are you, suicidal earlier? No, he wasn't. The other dog is. <laughs> uh, the pink poodle. Okay. <laughs> 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 Thanks so much. So to 
go along with my theory that the pink poodle is a prostitute. <laughs> she got with the bull terrier, mm-hmm. then up and left him with her babies yeah. for another dog. That uh, is reason half poodle terrier bull which whatever's. I like this moment only because this entire time I'm like, if she was abandoned by this rich owner, why is she still pink? The dye would have washed off. But no, now we're seeing it's genetic. It's genetic. These these dogs are born pink. Thelonious is just in love with Esme. Which is touching. I yeah. like that. That he transfers this love he mm-hmm. has of, you know, his yeah. self. He yeah. keeps who is called his self is now he loves herself and mm-hmm. wants to help herself. Which would be great if we had had a little more of this yeah, backstory. Establishment of, of those two characters. Which apparently Fugly died. Well, yeah, because she says earlier, the hotel manager says, uh, and they wouldn't even let me. This is all it takes. One night uh, where I tried to spend mourning the loss of my uncle. So could have done a lot more to clarify that. Uh, and the farmer fixed the well and Babe helped. All he seemed to be wanting to do was to build a one pipe. That goes to a bathtub in the barn. So all this shit is just so James Cromwell can have a barnyard bathtub? Yeah. Come on, James. He really has this fantasy of stripping down in that barn and making these animals watch him see babes. Watch me. (laughs) You know, actually, it was originally going to end with him naked bathing saying, witness me. So then he ended up (laughs) repurposing that later on for Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Uh, and the movie ends with the song That'll Do. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> what the fuck? This was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Thank you, Randy Newman. And Peter Gabriel doing the vocals because why the fuck not? Apparently, this still gets you nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> That'll do. It is the most mom cheesy that'll do pig randy newman it's a pig part of that line <laughs> not just that'll do that'll do pig it is schmaltzy uh, oh oh that, that oh that oh it just infuriated me uh two notes though on the credit outside of that infuriating garbage song <laughs> um was happy to see at the end the no animals were harmed uh, I was worried about that. Yeah, yeah I did look for that. It was a little bit like, oh, this was made in Australia. <laughs> and then the nice little thing at the very end. Oh, with the, the little mouse? The little mouse. Thank you for staying to the end. I love it. I love those it's mice. It's a little simple thing. It was always my favorite part of the first one. The little micees. So what did you think about this movie? I still love it. Um, I'm not as like overjoyed as the first time i saw it because uh uh not that any of the magic of that that one particular moment that i don't want to go into unless i want to cry again not that that faded but that i was able to look a little bit more critically at some of the rest of the film see that there were some some plot issues a little bit of story that seems to be a little too left up to the viewer's imagination mm-hmm. um, and i think even just talking with you now kind of really highlighted that for me that it's a little underdeveloped in that sense but Everything else, I think, is just really, like, the visuals are stunning. It's beautiful to lis- listen to as well. The the music and all the voice acting and the, the narration. Even though it's a little heavy in the beginning, just lovely. Just a, just a beautiful film to watch. Some fantastic sequences of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, just production design is charming and fascinating with the canals and the Every City USA 
and the very vivid lighting and, and just it's uh, I think a smorgasbord. I might have to watch them back to back, but I I would agree, Gene Siskel, that I prefer it over the original Babe. Not saying that that's not also a great film. Um, but for, for me, this one just hits more of my buttons. Maybe it's because I'm more of a city kid. Uh, but I think it's a great film. And if you haven't watched it, if you think it's still like, oh, just some dumb sequel to Babe, don't listen to that. It's a little weird. It's a little darker. Uh, but it's a lot of fun and really beautiful. Awesome. So it is way better than Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco. <laughs> 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 the standard metrics to which every movie should be rated. <laughs> I will say that I I do not agree with Gene Siskel. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy it way more than I thought I would. Yeah. But uh, while I've never seen Saving Private Ryan, I do think that Life is Beautiful and Shakespeare and Love are way better than this movie. Oh, I strongly disagree. While there are set pieces and sequences that were amazing... It, to me, this is missing a connecting thread, like a through line. The plot is crazy as hell to try to explain. It doesn't even feel like a series of vignettes, much as it feels like different um, sequences that I can mm. be like, there was the circus sequence and the ch- the bull terrier chase sequence and the animal control sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all done wonderfully, but I feel like they needed more of a connective tissue yeah. to string them all together. Um, I will say it was, it was adorable. I had a very good time watching it. I love babe. So having more babe is great, but I still prefer the first babe. I think that is a perfect film. I think that's totally reasonable. I think both babe films, the babe, the babe verse. That sure. sounds weird. Yes. <laughs> the babe verse. I would spend more time in that universe. Yeah. If this is a different planet and it seems to be one yep. and I'm just going to tie it all back to Firefly, mm-hmm. uh, then I would definitely want to visit that planet. Yeah. It's a shame this one wasn't a hit. I totally understand why it's a weird sell, but I, I would have liked to see like, what do you do with babe three? What's that movie going to be? Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Now it's time to celebrate some thrilling heroics with this week's Big Damn Hero of the Week. It's It's got to be Babe. It's got to be rescue. Babe. He's Come gotta, on. Yeah, he literally, he saved that poor Bull Terrier. That sequence may be like one of the most pure sequences of the heroism and altruism and just, even though it's not a human being, human kindness that's ever been yeah, put to film. Absolutely. So how can that not be the big damn hero? Yeah. If if that doesn't pull your heartstrings, you are dead on the inside. Yeah. Which uh, case, good luck with that uh, being a zombie. <laughs> what was them that words? What was said? Them's tumble words. <laughs> Who said the following quote? The movie is filled with wonders, large and small, little gags at the side of the frame and big laughs in the center. It is in no way just a quote unquote children's movie, but one that extends the imagination of everyone who sees it. And there is a wise grown up sensibility to its narration, its characters and a lot of the action. The world and its characters materialize out of the abyss of the imagination and in their impossibility, they seem more real than the characters in many realistic movies. Their hearts are in the right places, and apart from what they do and say, there is the wonderment of the world they live in. Well, it's clearly Ray Liotta. <laughs> I was said by Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah. I do remember them agreeing about 
this being an excellent film. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook. You can contact us at sunnydalestacks at gmail.com or at sunnydalestacks on Twitter to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly and Babe. And Babe too, Big in the City. <laughs> the Sunnydale Stacks is a part of the 27th Letter Productions Network. Look for our sister podcast, Hey Do You Remember? And join us next time when we explore Out of Gas and Ariel when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks.